Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Not So Native Podcast. Let me introduce your host. My name is Rob Lamb. And I'm Aaron Bailey. Kick back and let us take you on a journey as we explore some of Arizona's most fascinating people, places, and things to do. Are you ready? Deciding where to grow your money isn't difficult. Do what we did at the Not So Native Podcast and go with a local financial leader who has deep ties in your community. Credit Union West has been serving their neighbors since 1951, offering high-yield savings accounts, affordable loans, and by contributing to local charities you care about. Join today at www.cuwest.org or drop by one of their many local branches. They'll be glad to see you. Hi, welcome back. Not so Native Podcast with Aaron and Rob. And we are in the middle of downtown Phoenix. There is a Rockies game loading up. We're getting served by our lovely waitress here at Marley's. What's your name? Miranda. Miranda's working hard here at Marley's in Phoenix. The reason we're here at Marley's in Phoenix is because we've got a story to tell about the building that this restaurant is located in at least half of it and we are here with a a, a uh, local historian somewhat yeah my name is mike bell and um just recently got into phoenix and arizona history as a whole do a little part-time volunteering down at the state library and found some information on the building that i think people might enjoy awesome awesome so we always ask this question at least in season three we are uh native or not so not so native. Oh, where you hail from? So uh, my family moved here when I was three years old from Chicago, Illinois. Oh. So I'm as native as they come for somebody that wasn't born here. Yes, well, I would agree with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right. So what is interesting about the Fry Building, or when was the Fry Building built? Let's start there. So there's a few things about the Fry Building that make it really interesting. One of the first things that you'll notice when you get here is some of the brick that they've. Um, exposed on the uh, north side of the building it's not the oldest part of the building but the plaque there does say that it was built in 1885 and that's partially true so this building actually dates back to when phoenix was founded as a town site uh -huh. so about 1871 72 you have jack swilling the founder of phoenix really hmm. create uh, the uh, canal project that's going to lead to the development of the salt river valley uh-huh now, his plan was to actually set up the town site about four miles farther east, around 32nd Street in Jefferson. Okay. But by 1874, when the founders actually got the land grant from the government, the decision was made to move the town site to where it is now. And actually where we are at on 2nd Street in Washington, Washington would have been the main drag strip for the city of Phoenix. Uh-huh. And so between about 2nd Street and 2nd Avenue along Washington, you have the main center of the new town of Phoenix. Hmm. And was Phoenix started as like a like a, a hay market or something a hay like they would grow hay for the the culture horses? A little bit, Calvary. yeah, yeah. So there was of course settlements along the Salt River Valley already. Um, a lot of them, what they would do is uh, bring in hay and then sell it to either their soldiers at Fort McDowell or um, also it was kind of a hub between Tucson, Yuma, and Prescott. 
So Phoenix is kind of directly in the center of that. So it was kind of a nice meeting spot for, you know, travelers going in all directions. Okay. All right. So they build this building uh, at the time Phoenix is developing. It's a two-story brick building. Uh, it's two-story brick building now. Yeah. So when it was first built, it was built in about 1878 and it was built by two men. One is a pretty famous or infamous pioneer in, in Arizona history by the name of King Woolsey. King Woolsey. King Woolsey. How do you spell that last name? That's W-O-O-L-S-E-Y. Okay. So this guy's a pretty pretty big pioneer that not a lot of people are going to know about. Yeah, so that's why I wanted to explain yeah. how to find his name. So if you want to Google it. Yeah, yeah. So definitely if anybody's interested, they can go to uh, Arizona Memory Project or ArizonaLibrary.gov. Oh, there you go. And, good plug. Yeah, good plug, right? <laughs> and so they can search right in there, uh, King S. Woolsey. And so what you'll find is this guy was actually, he served in the territorial legislature five times. Okay. The last time he was actually voted to the council. So he was he was voted to uh, president of the council on his last year uh, as part of the legislature. And you said it was a territorial, so. Territorial legislature. So before Arizona was the 48th. Well before. Well yeah. before, of yeah, course. Yeah. All right. So Just to make eight, sure we're getting all that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. 1863 is then when we're going to have the well, first Well, well before, absolutely. Well, well before, yeah. So in Prescott is where they met, had the first territorial legislature. Uh, he was a member of the council then, and he's kind of infamous for going on raids against the Apache in the Tonto Basin. Oh, wow. Okay. So a lot of the areas, if you visit the Tonto Basin and you go to Fossil Creek or yeah. you go to Hard Scrabble Canyon, these are going to be places that him and his men named as they were kind of marching from Prescott Valley down into the Salt River Valley. Interesting. So he's a really wealthy landowner. He also owns Agua Caliente. Have you guys heard of that? Is that Hot the... water? Well, yes. Hot water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a town that's maybe about 20 miles west of Gila Bend. Oh, okay. And so so it you, sounds familiar because we're on the way to San Diego. You'll exactly. Yeah, 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 so if okay. you're on the 8, you'll, you'll go to Old Agua Caliente Road. If you take that up maybe about a mile or two, you're going to get to Agua Caliente Springs, which is like um, a hotel. Is it a real hot water spring? It used to be. Oh. Yeah, so they used to have hot water that came out of there. It was known for its medicinal purposes. Sure. Um, but of course, they overwatered, over irrigated, and there's not much there now. But so King Woolsey had set up a, a ranch there, and that actually kind of plays hand in hand with this building. The two of them and their history are almost uh, married in oh, my eyes. Okay. So you have King Woolsey. He, as part of that eighth uh, territorial legislature, at that time the capital was down in Tucson. Uh -huh. oh. So he goes down to Tucson and he meets a man named F.G. Wentworth. Good and name. F.G. Wentworth, yeah. J.G. Wentworth, F.G. Wentworth, right. something like that, yeah. So he... Um, He's a grocer and he has this brilliant idea that he's going to bring in people to the grocery store that he works at by putting an ice skating rink. So, he's having a hard time what, still what now. What year was this? That would have been 1877. 1877 had. Uh, True pioneers of industry right there. You know? Had Mr. Carrier even done his work to develop the, the air conditioner yet? I don't know if he did any work wow. on the air conditioner, but they I had a, make an ice skating rink in Tucson. They had ice factories, believe it or not. Wow. So this across the way here at Symphony Hall, not to get too off topic, you guys, but it used to be called the Arcade Brewery. So Phoenix's Brewery was right there where Symphony Hall is, and on the other side was an ice factory. Hmm. Wow. So 1870s, they're making ice, like 
apparently large enough to skate on. So wow. large enough qualities. So King Woolsey in 1875, as this town site is being developed, he buys lots 17 and 18 in block 20. So that's where we're at. We're on lots 17 and 18 in block 20 of the new town site of Phoenix. Wow. So he and this guy Wentworth come up with this idea. They're going to make a building. They're going to go in as partners with this new building. Wentworth is going to do the grocery side of things and Woolsey will just be the landowner. So in 1878, the building's finally complete. It's made out of a, an adobe at that point, and it's penciled and colored and stenciled to look like brick. Mm. So it's 30 by 30. It's, it's still two stories, but it's like an A-frame top. That's the side that's closest to uh, Washington. Yes, that's going to be the say? south side. Correct. Okay. So okay. about the first maybe 30 feet going north is going to be the original building location. Okay. So they create this building, and the downstairs, as I mentioned, is going to be used for groceries and maybe a barber shop, a drugstore. The top floor is reserved almost exclusively, and they report that it's going to be used by the secret societies of Phoenix. That would Here be, we go. All yeah, right. Yeah. All so right. Now, now we're getting into something juicy. Got, Hold if, on. If we've got anybody that's a conspiracy theorist, this is where you want to tune in. So uh, the Masons, the okay. Knights of Pythias, and the International Organization of Odd Fellows. <laughs> I've heard of two of the three. The Knights of Pythias I've never heard of, but uh, we, we don't want to get deep into that. <laughs> yeah, we'll hold well, I saw, I saw you. I saw you, you already done some research on that. I can little, tell. little bit, little yeah. bit. So the building's used for balls and different uh, events. They had New Year's Eve of 1878 here. Oh, now we got the beer. All right. They're, they're bringing the beer out from Marley's Forester. Oh, that's good. Okay. Little, little local brew, little plug here to Four Peaks Brewing, Pop Not IPA. Oh, that's good stuff. All right. So we have uh, now, it's being referred to as the Woolsey Wentworth Building. And so they're in business for about six months, and they decide they're going to pull the same stunt that they did back in Tucson, or at least Wentworth did. So they open up the first ice skating rink in Phoenix, and it's on the ground floor of this building here, the Fry Building. Hmm. Yep, so skates are 50 cents a pop. And apparently, shortly after that, maybe a month later, they finalize the floor, and they're able to actually have business and commerce start in earnest. Wow. So when they opened up ice skating here at um, it's a building down here in downtown Phoenix that does the ice skating during the summertime or the winter. The oh, cityscape. Yeah, cityscape. Yeah. So that it's not the that's not the first time that ice skating was done in Phoenix. Not at all. No. In downtown Phoenix. They, they had it beat by about 140 years, matter of fact. So, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. So. Uh, what happens next is a little bit tricky. So we do have to go back and talk a little bit about uh, Agua Caliente. Okay. So we can kind of understand what happens over the next few years. So in 1869, a woman comes into Gila Valley. Her name is Mary Taylor. She's an immigrant coming from, she was born in Georgia. The immigrant train that she was on left from Sulphur Springs, Texas. So she arrives in Gila Bend and she's currently married to a guy named Mr. Nash and they're kind of having all kinds of marital issues and things like that. 
and she's complaining around the campfire about the trip itself, her husband, and there's a guy sitting at the fire that's listening and kind of offers her a chance to get away, and that's King Wolsey. So he takes her to the Agua Caliente Ranch, and at the time he's already married or in a civil union, I would say, with another woman, and has already has maybe three or four children. So they're illegitimate, though, because they're um, they're of Yaqui descent, which is like a, a well, native, tribe. native tribe. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so, yep. So the territory at that time, it was illegal to either room with or um, marry, intermarry with another race if you were white. Oh, okay. So these children are illeg um, illegitimate in the territory's eyes. So what King Woolsey does is he plans to marry this woman, Mary, and they're going to have her file a claim with the Homestead Act to get ownership of the entire Agua Caliente Ranch, and that way he can bequeath and heir some of his ter his property to these other people. Hmm. Hopefully, the idea would be to have her share some of the wealth he, with the children. He was trying to do right. Yeah. Okay. He was. So the problem is she's married, so what he ends up doing is he petitions to the third territorial legislature that he's going to have them make the, the marriage that she had to Mr. Nash uh, null and void. So if you take a look at the acts of the third territorial uh, legislature, you'll find in there they actually passed a law to nullify her marriage specifically so he could marry her. Wow. Yeah, so that's it's really strange the way that they go about doing things. So... Suddenly, in 1879, is when King Woolsey is going to die. He's going to be working up at the flour mill, which is on Jefferson and Center, or Central, I guess is what it's called now. It was a center back then. So he dies suddenly in the night. He has not willed anything to anybody short of the purchases that he's already made and that he's stated were Mary's to begin with, which the Agua Caliente Ranch was hers. So his property is put up for auction. Huh. Now, if it dies suddenly, was there ever a cause of death, death determined at it? or So the cause of death that was reported by the doctor was a massive heart attack. But they found him, um, I guess the, the cook found him, and they said that he was murmuring during the middle of the night. They heard some moans and groans followed by one large, sharp groan, uh, and they found him halfway underneath the table. So how he got there, hmm. what direction he was facing is questionable. The doctor that uh, finds him, his name is uh, uh, B.L. Conyers, Dr. Conyers. So he finds uh, King Woolsey dead, declares him dead. Within two years of Woolsey dying, he takes over his ranch, which would be on Van Buren and 2nd Street. Huh. It's where um, the uh, Sandra Day O'Connor Law School for ASU is now. Okay, That's where the ranch would have been. Wow. So he takes over the ranch, and within a year of that, he's actually kicked out of Phoenix for practicing without a license. You had to be in Phoenix for two years and been practicing medicine legally for two years before you could actually have your own shop, your own business. So rather than wait the two years and then be able to make it legal, he decides to skip town. Interesting stuff, yeah. Tell you what, so how does this all affect the Fry building here? Or how does it change names from the Wentworth building or whatever yeah. it was originally? Sure. So Mary uh, Woolsey at this time, 
she gets uh, control of the building through some of the assets that they've sold through um, Does she buy it at the auction? She doesn't buy uh, all of it at the auction, no. So she gets a portion of it and then Mr. Wentworth sells his half share to her for $1,200. Okay. So at this point, there's maybe a three or four year gap where she disappears from the records for the most part, comes back in about 1883 listed as Miss Mary Sullivan. So she's now on her third husband. Wow. And I can't find any information on this Sullivan guy, but in 1884, she meets a guy that is in the business of hauling ice and his name is Frank Fry. So the Fry building and the name is, is associated with that family, the Fry family. So they go into ownership with the building. They have some restaurants downstairs. They lease almost exclusively the upper floor to the Knights of Pathias. So some of the information that you'll find if you do a standard search for the Fry building, you'll find that uh, what they say is that it's built by uh, individuals called Creighton and Patton were the architects that built it in 1885. So S.E. Patton, the Patton portion of those two names, actually did the renovation of the upper floor in hmm. 1885. So part of his contract to rent with the Knights of Pathias was to furnish the upper floor of the building. Sure. So in 1885 as well, what Mary Fry does is she sells to her husband, Mr. Frank John Fry, half interest in this building for one dollar and her love and affection one dollar one dollar one dollar plus her love and affection that, that was the costly part right one dollar is easy was, was. <laughs> interesting yeah interesting so next comes a series of i would say unfortunate events for the fry family so like i said when we started the agua caliente ranch and the fry building our links kind of hand in hand so during the time that the building was in operation, there was a dispute over water uh, at the Agua Caliente Ranch. So in 1888, what Frank Fry does is he goes to the ranch at Agua Caliente and he confronts a nurseryman. So it was a guy that was taking water and growing plants. And his name is also Frank, Frank Wagner. Frank. A lot of Franks in the story. A lot story. of Franks, yeah. A lot of Franks in the it story. Was a, it was a common name. Common. Uh, apparently, yes. Yes. <laughs> So he confronts Mr. Wagner at his ranch in Agua Caliente. I guess he had been harassing him for several months prior to this. And Mr. Wagner unloads two loads of buckshot into him, killing him instantly. Mm. So thus passes Frank Fry. Wow. Murder and intrigue. Dun, dun, dun. This, this is the beginning of a long line of murders and death that's going to occur. Oh, wow. In relation to this building. Well, I think it's long. Maybe other people don't. Well, you know, one or, one or two is kind of long to me. We're already at two of them now, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah no. Well, one suspicious death and one guaranteed murder. One guaranteed murder. <laughs> yep. 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 So uh, now, because she gave her husband this uh, portion of the building for a dollar, his estate is also now up for potential auction. So. Mary Fry is trying to, again, control this building. Mary Woolsey, then Sullivan, now Fry. She's trying to retain her ownership of the building. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have the cash flow to do it. So what she does is she has her sister, her name is Elizabeth Reeves from Los Angeles, come to the city of Phoenix to place a bid in the auction for her. 
what year is this? This would be 1889. 1889. 1889. 1889. Okay. 1889. So, Miss Reeves' husband was a doctor in Los Angeles, also mysteriously died recently. Hmm. This was, so, so Mary and the sister. Her sister? Elizabeth, yes. Okay. The sister is that their husbands mysteriously have been passing away. Yeah, correct. So Los Angeles, um, Dr. I don't know his first name. Last name would be Reeves. But they moved to California in 1867, maybe, 1868. And within a few years, he died as well. Could have been completely natural. I haven't found any information on that yet. But he passes away and leaves her quite a bit of money, of course. So what they conspire to do is her sister is going to take instead of putting up the entire list of properties at auction she's going to buy it as one lump sum and so they get a probate judge by the name of frank baxter to sign off on the approval of selling in one lump sum this the fry building agua caliente and some of the other properties Hmm. for six thousand five hundred dollars which is less than the total amount that the property was appraised for so once they do this and this judge frank baxter allows this to take place they have to then transfer the property from elizabeth's names to mary's name the way that they do that is they have a power of attorney form filed in los angeles court the probate court that signs that notice is elizabeth reeves son (laughs) yeah and this guy actually goes on to become district attorney for the county of Los Angeles in 1899. Wow. Fascinating. Fascinating stuff. Okay. So she gets uh, control of the, the building again. She has Agua Caliente. She has some of the other properties. Does she become Mary Baxter? Absolutely, she does. <laughs> Absolutely, she does. So, That's so number. clue. I, I was really good at the game clue. Yeah, that, exactly. You know, it was Colonel Mustard in the library with the lead pipe. I got it. So you know exactly where this <laughs> is headed, then, right? Holy so, cow! Yeah. So this guy that's signing off on this kind of shady deal for her to retain the building, <clears throat> he's also uh, buying property up on Grand Avenue, like right where the railroad goes through. Uh huh. So she sells to him, or sorry, he to her some property for about $4,000. And then three months later, they're married. Interesting. Hmm. Yep. So also during this time, in about, maybe it's 1889, somewhere around there as well. Frank's, that we're good, I think. (laughs) Frank Fry's uh, father comes into Phoenix and he starts uh, running a stage station up by Bumblebee. Have you guys been there? Oh, yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So it's called Fry Station. So he's murdered there at Fry Station in 1889 as well. He must have been poking his nose around too much. He might. So what is Mary coming to this play then? She's got to be somehow related to this murder here. It just seems like somebody dies and she's around, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things. I don't want to speak bad about anybody, but at least from what I've read into it, either it's the greatest rags to riches story ever told or it's the biggest conspiracy and land ownership in the phoenix area that's ever been told well you know she did have 
I did a little bit of googling while while you were talking yeah. about the Knights of Pythias. Yeah. And that's a very interesting organization. They are. Um, I mean, I haven't done too much uh, looking into exactly what they're about, but I know that they own the majority, or at least at some point did, the uh, cemetery that's here in Phoenix. They have a huge plot there where they buried a lot hmm. of their members. Uh-huh. Okay. Is that the Pioneer Cemetery? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yep. Okay. So okay. it's a couple that's of... at uh, what, uh, Jefferson and Third, Third Avenue? No. no, it's maybe like 14th. Avenue, Avenue, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the people that we've talked about are buried there. Mr. Frank Fry is buried there. Uh, King Woolsey is buried there. Wow. And uh, so Frank Swilling or Jack Swilling. No, no. Swilling, Swilling. He died in a, in a prison in, um, in Yuma and he's buried in a Yuma pioneer cemetery. Was he in the territorial prison? Yeah. Yeah. So he, (laughs) He got, yeah, he got, uh, he got arrested and convicted of uh, murder, robbing a stagecoach. And, oh. and uh, he actually was innocent, but they proved it after he died in prison. Phoenix was the wild, wild west. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I don't know what you guys want to, where you want to go next. You want me to talk about maybe what they've done to the building since 1915, 19... anything... Interesting her. about that, she just happened to die from well, too she, many husbands in old age. Well, she died, you know, at, at older age at like 1928, so she was around for quite a while. But she's the one that the governor would then do the, the half mast when she died. Now, here's an interesting thought that I'm, I'm thinking of. You know, I've been down to Tombstone, mm-hmm. and the Fry Photography Studio is right there at the Old K Corral. OK Corral. And then you got Fry's grocery stores here in in Phoenix. Are any of those related? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think no, so. No. Well, no, I mean, I it's mean, not like Fry's. Uh, yeah. I don't know how common of a name it was back in the 1880s. Pretty yeah. common, actually. There's oh, there's really? there's a few okay. different fries that pop up when you do a little research of the Phoenix area. Okay. Um, I mean, Frank uh, Fry himself was a junior, so he had the exact same name as his dad, who was, as I mentioned, also murdered. He also had a brother named Joseph that okay. um, got cancer in his left arm, and they amputated. Oh, okay. And uh, he eventually died from that. Sure. Um, and there's a few other uh, family members that were related to the Fries that had strange things happen to them. Okay. Um, so we were talking about Crichton and Patton, with Patton being the one that did the uh, designs inside the building. Uh-huh. So a relative of his, which is E.E. Uh, e. Patton, married one of the Fry sisters. And they had a total of three sons die under mysterious circumstances as well. Okay. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. So this building we had mentioned when we started the podcast, let's give a little attention to the architecture or, or to the building itself. So there's a there's the first section. If you're on, this is Second Street, right? Where we're at? Yeah, Second, second Street. Street. Yep. So we're on Second Street sitting at the Marley's here, and we're on the, the exposed brick side, not the stuccoed side. And you can see there's a stairwell between the two buildings right or between the two sections correct of the building so this exposed brick side when was that built so i mean this side that we're on right here would have been 1904 
1904. Yeah, so Mr. Creighton of Creighton and Patton gets uh, the bid to actually complete the rest of the building in 1904. And the building made a transition from this Adobe A-frame to kind of the shape that we see it now in 1885 when there was a fire that actually came through Phoenix okay. and burned down the majority of the building. So, really? I mean, even if it was Adobe, it still burned it. Yeah, so certainly the inside did, which had, you know, the oh, sure. wood floors yeah. and, and some of the cabinetry and that kind of stuff. It started in the back of the building and came forward. All in all, it was about $11,000 in damage in 1885 that was done to it. Wow. Wow, that's tremendous. Yeah, so they did end up rebuilding it, and portions of it they repurposed and made with brick. Um, and that's when Crichton and Patton come in, and now we see the 1885 marker as the designation for the age of the building, when really it was a little bit older by about seven years. Huh. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. So why did they extend the building? Just to have more commerce and commercial space? or? Yeah, more space, I would say. Um, you know the building itself had a lot of different people specifically where we're at downstairs we had something called the saint cloud restaurant which was here there was uh two different chinese restaurants that operated here in 1884 so they wow. they changed owners quite a bit at least this side that we're on now and on the other end on the back side of this actually kind of where we're at prior to the addition in 1904 would have been the telegraph office okay okay now We've been hearing as we've been talking that you heard the light rail go by. Was that where the trolley went to back in the day? Um, in the 1900s, there would have been a trolley there, yeah. 1900s, okay. Um, but it, in the know, meantime, it was all dirt. And... Dirt for the most part, but what's really neat is across the way where they're making that big high-rise building there, uh -huh. it would have been just the plaza. So imagine a big open spot, you know, a full city block where there would have been just trees and a gathering spot for like the a meeting place yep like a, like a meeting place so that was kind of a, a center for like fireworks displays on the 4th of july maybe different orators that came into town and then in 1888 is where they're going to build the actual city hall the first city hall for phoenix oh, so really? it's going to be directly opposite of the Woolsey wentworth so that's on the southwest corner of second street in washington yeah correct is where we're at yep okay okay so that's where the first city hall was for the city of Phoenix. That's right. Wow. And now it's right there. It's two blocks over. Yeah. <laughs> two blocks over. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Two blocks south of where we're at here. Fascinating. So, so now it's the it's Marley's obviously as we know it. Just the Marley's here and Dan Marley obviously being the the Suns player for some time. His current coach of the uh, the Lopes. Go Lopes. Go yep. Lopes. 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 <laughs> uh, so there's no, uh, none of this murder mystery, you know, affairs not with the building in the last, uh, you know, 50 years and whatnot, right? Hopefully not. You okay, know, I hopefully mean, not. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't know what Dan's done <laughs> to kind of get control of the building or anything sure. like that. But no, no, sure it's right? all Who owns the building now? I think Dan does. Oh, really? Yeah, or at least a portion of it. Thunder Dan Marley, for yeah. those of you who were here in the 90s. So uh, some people that come here are probably going to wonder what the age of the building, if it's haunted, has anybody been murdered here? Oh yeah, that's a great here? question. Because you know, I, we, yeah, have, yeah. Uh, we have uh, some um, ghost stories from our trip up to Williams. So yeah, oh, what, what, kind okay. of, uh, what kind of hauntings do we know of here? Well, actually none. <laughs> <laughs> so well, there lame setup, stories? right? Well, there ghost stories? I don't know, we have to ask some of the employees. This is the first time I've been here. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I can tell you that there was one person that died in the building. Oh, yeah. 
also in 1904 as well, J.J. Baker. I'll have to double check the year, maybe 1905. Um, so along with having, you know, retail businesses downstairs, they rented out the rooms upstairs and it was a hotel. Okay. So he uh, died of just natural causes, but around the age 70. That's the only death that I can find directly hmm. that occurred here on this property. Right on. Interesting. Well, now how, uh, so we can kind of switch from the story a little bit. So yeah. you personally, yeah. obviously this isn't your full-time <laughs> gig you do, but uh, clearly right. you're passionate for it. You put this time and this effort. What, what attracted you towards the history of, of this building or really just uh, the research and the history of... Uh, Phoenix here. What, what got yeah. you going down the rabbit hole? Well, so anybody that anybody that uh, gets into Arizona history knows that once you start, it sucks you in, and it is like a rabbit hole. Um, I've always been into history uh, all my life, and one of the main kind of like drags of, about growing up here, at least back in the '80s and '90s, was you know Phoenix doesn't have any history. Yeah, you know, people, when I first moved here in '92, yeah, that's what I heard mm -hmm. all the time. Is Phoenix has no history, and I thought. That, that can't be right. Right, right. And it's not a, a blatantly obvious history that we share or that, that's available to the public, right? Like, so you guys have your Not So Native podcast, and it's great with sharing with people the history of some of the places that are out there. But back in the 90s, unless you knew what you were looking for, you were kind of lost. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, at least as far as the, the Fry Building directly goes, though, I've been trying to... to Put something together where I'll track and kind of share the full history of King Woolsey and kind of his con contributions to the to the, to the state. Hmm. But just kind of got stuck on the Fry Building once I started to see all the uh, intricacies that um, occurred with it. All the uh, it, it sounds frankly like a twenty-year soap opera. At what point does Mary pass away? So she dies in nineteen twenty-eight. Wow! So she was here when. Uh, Doc Holiday was up in the Phoenix area. She would have been here. Well, she moved to Yuma oh, with uh, okay. Frank Baxter in in the 19 teens. Okay. So she lived there for the majority of her elderly years and then passed away in 1928. What she had done during the time period from, you know, these murders of her father-in-law, her, are we on fourth husband, third husband? Fourth, fifth. Yeah. So what she did is she started leveraging the value of this property. So I think I, I've counted maybe three or four loans that they've taken out um, her and Frank Baxter mortgages against the property. And so mortgage in that day was a little bit different than mortgage now. Mortgage then was you already owned the property and you're taking out a loan with your house as the collateral. collateral. Exactly. Sure. So what they end up doing is buying the majority of the available property down the Gila River towards the north end of the Gila. Um, now it's called Palo Verde. Okay. So the Palo Verde Ranch, she buys all of that property. Wow. She owns so much property at the time that when she dies, the governor decides to lower all the flags to half mast. Wow. Really? Yeah. So this one woman came into Arizona as part of a wagon train and through either hook or crook, made it all the way to... She worked to, her way up to... She, she did something right. Having a flag lowered for yeah. you. That's, uh, that's big time right there. That's... That's definitely a big time. That's definitely a big time. Well, that is a great story. Yeah, so if somebody wants to support you, support the, the library, what where do we direct them on that? So you guys will want to go to azlibrary.gov or uh, azmemoryproject.com. 
www.azlibrary.gov and there you can do research on tons of different topics for state of Arizona or city of Phoenix. Uh, for myself, you can check out the YouTube channel I have, which is uh, Great State 48, GR8, ST8, FORT, H. <laughs> I had to think there for a second. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on there, but you can check me out there. I have a Twitter that I can link to your guys' page. Okay. Yeah. Um, I share things every now and then, and hopefully we'll have the full story with all the links and some of the pictures uh, available through the uh, website. And I know that the Arizona uh, Library does a lot of uh, nonprofit stuff. It has a nonprofit side. Do you know that website I, or that information? You know, I really don't. Okay. I don't know uh, okay. much about that, but um, I can tell Listen you... To our, uh, Episode with the Arizona Capitol Museum. I think that they have it on. Uh, there? I think that uh, Dory mentioned it there. She did awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's been great to sit here and enjoy a local brew with you. <laughs> Cheers to you. Cheers. And, Good. Uh, Look guys... forward to having you back on the next project. Whatever. Yeah, we, we'd, we'd love to have you back on another project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw um, on your on your Instagram you had some. Was it Yuma Territorial Prison? That's 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 on that's, the that's list, on of to that do, list of so. oh, perfect. to do. So yeah, yeah. We would so love to have you down there. That'd be great. I'll come along, and, and then we can uh, we can find Jack Swilling while we're there. There, there we go. go. There yeah. we go. I like yeah, or or I've seen some of your work over at the uh, the, the Pioneer uh, uh, Cemetery. Oh yeah, so yeah, we yeah. Should, uh, we should swing over Definitely, there at guys. some point just to, just to get some of the murder mystery and intrigue. I'll share a lot of uh, interesting stories and. There you go. We'll have a good time. We'll have a few more beers. Fascinating. Love it. Love well, thank you. Well, it's hot out here. So let's, uh... let's go get some beer All inside right. Marley's. Hey, thanks so much, Mike. You're Appreciate welcome, it. guys. Have a good one. Are you tired of being stuck doing your own payroll and bookkeeping? Do you want more free time? Call Mary and her team at MLR Pro Tax and Accounting. 623-505-7141. They can help. MLR Pro Tax and Accounting provides year-round payroll and bookkeeping services to make tax time a breeze. Call Mary today so you can get out and explore more. 623-505-7141. Thank you for joining us here at the Not So Native Podcast. Be sure to check us out on our website, notsonativepodcast.com, and leave a comment or two. Also, follow us on social media to get the latest update on our adventures. Until next time. Until next time.